is Miss Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Matt Smallhair. Matt is an entrepreneur and business coach whose company, Thai Dyed Iguana, has found success through a staff of professionals that keep the company one step ahead of the competition. Hello, Matt. Hello, Mish. Thai Dyed Iguana. I That's love it. it. And let's tell everybody why the business is named this. Why is it named tie-dyed iguana? Well, um, when my wife and I, at the time my girlfriend, so we, we did this right out of college, um, when we decided to open a business, we wanted to create a household name. Uh, in the pet industry, you run into a lot of... Um, Bob's pets, you yeah, know, something right, like right, that. Right. So gotcha. uh, we wanted something that would really kind of roll off the tongue, uh, something that would be easy to remember. Um, I'm, I'm very, uh, very motivated here. I'm thinking Walt Disney, Microsoft, Apple, you know, how do you find something that can really stick? Um, and so tied out iguana, where it came from, um, our first reptile at the time was an iguana. His name was Zeus. So that was a little bit of a tribute to him. And then tie-dye, uh, at the time I was 23 and my wife was 21. We were definitely still riding like that Neo hippie, late blooming, Grateful Dead like kind of I thing, like it. Um, and so tie dye naturally fit it. Now we've uh, misspelled tie dye. We spell it T Y E hyphen D Y E D versus okay. tie dye T I E, um, and that's by design as well. I think it looks very pretty on paper, um, having the double Y's. So uh, that's kind of the the why the name. Um, it's catchy. It looks nice, and it is then catchy. There's yeah. something about it. I mean, I have to admit because what I was like. Made you ask what it is. Yeah, this is cool. What is this? And so now you have 10,000 square feet of space. Yeah, we're just under 10,000, 9,650. Yeah, 10,000. Lizards everywhere. Yeah, so we do um, exotic reptiles. We do freshwater fish and exotic plants, um, being like carnivorous and whatnot. And then everything that basically supports those three hobbies. So you could say pet shop. Cool. Yeah. Specialty store. But then the thing that is interesting about you is that you took this concept of I'm going to have this business and you just leveled up everywhere. Yeah, um, more more or less, that's pretty much what happened. So um, do you want me to give you like a little background? Let's on hear it. Okay. Yeah, no, we're here to learn so from So I'll give you the uh, – a lot of people say, hey, Matt, how did you get into this? And that can be kind of a complex story. But uh, – um, my wife and I, again, my girlfriend at the time uh-huh. uh, in college, my degree is in speech communication. You should say her name. So we Stephanie. Her name, her name Hi, is Stephanie. Stephanie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's over at Tie-Dye right now. So Stephanie and I, uh, we had dated for several years and I was getting ready to graduate from SIUE. Uh, my degree is in speech communication. And um, I was faced with a very real challenge. Um, I was a few months away from graduating and I didn't want to change my sense of identity. So what I mean by that... Um, Obviously, a lot of people can't see me, but I've got long hair uh, that goes about halfway down my back. Um, You can't see a lot of them right now, but visible tattoos. Mm -hmm. And at the time when I was graduating, it was fall of 05. Uh, That particular career track was very much a corporate office style setting. Even in 05, um, the look that I have wasn't as socially acceptable as it is now in 23. Aren't you happy? So, it's funny. I, mean, I yeah. seriously, I remember the first time I went into uh, when Microsoft started its Genius Bar, mm-hmm. and when I walked in, and all of the, the the people working there were like piercings, tattoos, and I was like, 
It's about time. I always thought it was bizarre that the corporate world was like, well, one, you had to dress up really uncomfortably. Yeah. <laughs> and then two, that you had to like look this certain way to go to work. I, I just, I found it ridiculous. I, I would agree. <laughs> so um, I'm really, I love that you're just like, I don't want to change who I am just so I can go to work every day. Yeah. So, so that was what kind of, um, I guess, sparked the idea of not entering corporate America. Um, so then the little like sidebar there, um, exotic reptiles were a hobby of ours um, in our area, Fairview Heights slash O'Fallon, Illinois. Uh, there was very little that actually supported that hobby. Um, the closest really was a place in Nashville, Tennessee uh, called the Aquatic Critter. And uh, I had family there. And so Stephanie and I would visit Aquatic Critter all the time. And the pieces just kind of started to align. And we were like, well, hey. This is a time in our life where we're not really gambling much other than our time. It's right. not like I'm taking a 401k or making a major career change. I'm 23. She's 21. Just had a baby. Um, why not? Yeah. Let's give it a the shot. The world's right before <laughs> yeah. you. I love it. And I mean, so it wasn't, it was a little more thought out than that. We didn't just say, hey, open a reptile store. <laughs> Let's just buy this building and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> um, but here we are. April 1st will be 17 years in business. We've got 24 team members. Um, oh, my gosh. We're starting to see second generation a lot of people are coming in that shopped there when they were kids, but now they're coming in with their kids. Oh, fun. Uh, my son, the one who had just been born when we opened, his name's Landon. Uh, he's 17 now, and he's working at Tie-Dye now, and my daughter's 12, and, well, she wants to be a vet, but, you know, hopefully well, take it so over. so that'll be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of, like, how it came to be. It was really kind of um, us taking a stance against the, the forced um, conformity of corporate America. Yeah, right. I love that. Yeah. And showing, I mean, we're, we're making a living and making a living for our family. And there are several full-time people that are supporting their families through tie-dye. So, and it's kind of cool when we do uh, hire someone. Actually, better yet, when we interview somebody, I always tell them not to dress up. I say, look, I'm going to interview you in jeans and a t-shirt. So <laughs> you yeah, might as well do the same. Getting, you know, it's we, um, we get that question for TEDx. Like people will say, mm -hmm. what am I supposed to wear to this event? I'm like, we take everything from bikinis to business suits. Ah, bikinis. It's like just... It does not matter. <laughs> wear what you're comfortable in and what you want to wear. We're not here to judge what you wear. Has anyone ever shown up shown up in a no bikini? No one. They, I, I have seen some business suits, but yeah, I've yeah. yet to see the bikini. Hmm. I Noted. mean, come on. There's a challenge out there. Next TEDx, who's going to wear the bikini? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know what else you really want to... I mean, I could talk about tie-dye for the entire well, podcast. I mean, you it's interesting. And so... Um, so you were already like this was a hobby of yours, it was. and and then you turned that passion into a business, but also a really really good strong business that's there for. I mean, it sounds like you have a great culture, great team of people, and um, I mean, where, tell us where did the lizards come from? Sure, like how do they show up? Do, are they show up <laughs> in little packages, or does a UPS guy drop them off? Like, what does this look like? So funny, funny story about that. When we placed our very first. Um, they call it an ISO, your initial stock order of animals. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I had never done this before. Um, I would be <laughs> I would be lying to you if I told you that we went into this completely prepared because we weren't. We didn't know what to well, expect. Well, you can't prepare for everything. <laughs> so I legitimately, and here I am again at 23 years old, I legitimately expected this to be like a truckload of like crates with lions and tigers and yeah, crazy, I you know? Yeah, I know. No, so uh, the very first order we picked up, we picked it up out at the airport, and I brought a truck. Or actually, it was a van, I think. It was an Enterprise van. And I pulled up, and there was a box that was maybe 14 inches by 14 <laughs> inches by 9 inches. 
<laughs> yeah. I got my, oh, okay. I was like, okay, we'll just set this We're here in the back of this later. van. That's why yeah. we need the van. <laughs> so reptiles are actually, they're, they're shipped uh, very tightly. Uh, typically, they'll be in deli cups or like a, um, they call it a snake bag. It's like a... Uh, type of cloth bag, something that their nails can't get snagged in. Okay. Um, but they stress real easy. So you want to put them in a very tight, uh, padded oh, like spot. Like, like you snuggle a baby. Exactly. Like you swaddle the baby. You've got to swaddle yeah. the... Oh, because a lot of times a reptile in particular, um, you know, if they're stressed out, they'll get very hyperactive and they can injure themselves by banging into edges and corners and whatnot. That, yeah. So they come via FedEx or UPS um, in deli cups that are maybe about yay big, so about five, six inches across like an eight to a 16 ounce cup. They've got holes in the lid. They usually have paper towels or something in there to give them a little bit um, of absorption in case they go to the bathroom. There's air holes. Uh, the box itself is insulated styrofoam. Um, it's either got ice packs or heat packs, depending on the weather. Yeah, yeah. And then all the seams are taped in case something does escape so you don't have something slithering out of the seams. Gotcha. And then it has gotcha. to be appropriately labeled uh, live harmless reptiles and up arrows and then yeah, it shows up at the doorstep. You pop it open, let everything acclimate, and you've got animals. How how where are they coming from? I mean, and how long yeah. are they in transition from where they are to where they're going? Oh, uh, that's a great question. So we work with distributors primarily on the West Coast and uh, the East Coast, uh, mostly Florida. Um, these particular distributors do import. So our animal offering, um, I would say about half of it is captive bred, half of it is imported. Captive bred is what it sounds like. Okay. Um, there'll be an individual that breeds them, and then they sell their animals into the hobby. Um, imported is uh, kind of that dark underbelly of the industry no one wants to talk about, but it's very real. Um, and you've got people that go out into the bush and catch the animals. They ship them overseas. Uh, they're typically not taken care of very well. By the oh. time they hit stateside, they're usually borderline starvation. Health oh, is really bad. No. Depending on the distributor, um, most of them will rehab those animals before they ship them. Some of them will literally turn around and ship them right back out. So those are lessons we've had to learn over the years. Yeah. And then when we get the animals, um, depending on the situation, will depend on how long of a quarantine there is and whether they can go out for sale immediately or if they need to be held back for anywhere from a day to several weeks. And, um, you know, we have to guarantee those animals. So, right, 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 right. Yeah. So when they do come in, we've got to obviously make sure that we can stand behind them. But yeah, they um, are a little bit of everywhere, whether it be Madagascar, Africa, South America, or bred right here in St. Louis, which there is a lot we do right here in St. Louis. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So are they easy to take care of? Or is this like the hobby that you have to be dedicated to? You know, that's, uh, I am really glad you asked that question. <laughs> um, it is easy, but you do also have to be dedicated. Okay. So the funny thing about exotic reptiles um, they need a few very specific things, but as long as you satisfy those few specific needs, it is super easy. Gotcha. And nine times out of 10, it's lighting, uh, it's environment. So gotcha. lighting and cage size. Where we see a lot of issues are when, um, a lot of times it's when we think about how we used to do it. So an example I like to give people is asbestos. Look okay. how long we put asbestos in houses yep. before we said, oh man, this Not, is deadly. This is a bad idea. Yeah. Right. Um, the reptile industry as a whole um, really kind of falls into that trap. Whereas 30 years ago, we did things a certain way and then science has changed and it's like, oh, wow, we were doing this wrong. So yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a big battle for us a lot of times with some sometimes older folks is very delicately trying to educate them without insulting them right. and making them think they don't know what they're doing. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. And then, um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that they all have different diets, mm -hmm. but like 
where do you buy their food yeah. and does it have to be live so they, they can do their catching thing or what what does that look like so whenever we have a new hire i tell them that uh, we're actually a glorified bait shop okay <laughs> <laughs> um the store is really cool when you walk in there's a lot to see it's vibrant lots of lights animals um but our core business is the care of the animal so um the food that we sell is a mix of live and dead or frozen uh, when it comes to bugs, we do uh, crickets primarily, and uh, our crickets right now are coming out of, let me think here, Michigan. I had to think okay. about it for a moment. Um, and those are always alive. And we do a, a pretty healthy amount of crickets. I want to say the ballpark figure is maybe one hundred and fifty to 200,000 crickets a week between feeding them and selling them. So a lot of crickets. That's a lot of crickets. Uh, cockroaches are a very popular food source, uh, growing very popular at least. Um we breed our cockroaches in-house, but we also have uh, just an individual. It's a husband and a wife in Oregon um, who breed them on the side and ship us their excess. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was doing the math on what I paid this gentleman in the last year, and uh, it's a it's a healthy annual income, a lot actually. Of <laughs> a lot of cockroaches there. A lot of cockroaches. We do a variety of worms, uh, mealworms, um, which are kind of maybe an inch and a half to two inches long, a white kind of soft worm. Then there's a super worm, which is what it sounds like. It's a very big worm. Okay. Kind of like a mealworm. Uh, then there's a wax worm, which is a moth larva. Um, horn worms are very popular. Those are those big green worms you get in your tomato garden. Gotcha. Um, we sell those. Um, we do mice. We do rats, both live and frozen. Uh, the frozen ones are euthanized at the breeder and sold to us in prepackaged uh, Ziploc bags. Okay. So to the end user, it's very non-invasive. It's not gotcha. like it's got blood all over its face or anything. Yeah, that would, yeah. That would um, uh, yeah, Got the you. live rodents we breed in house, but we do have uh, various smaller time individuals that we buy from. Uh, fruit flies. I mean, this is that we sell everything. Oh my god! Um, we do feeder fish, so yes. different feeder minnows and feeder goldfish. Uh, frozen fish food. Then we have the whole lines of pelleted food for all the animals. Um, vegetables. We work with a local farmers market in O'Fallon that delivers vegetables twice a week: uh, turnip greens, mustard greens, yellow squash. Um, which is cool because he's not a year-round business, but we're able to give him year-round income through our needs. That's awesome. So the food kind of, it, it's like sourcing food for a restaurant. Yeah. Um, actually, it's, I think, probably a little more complex because- It has to be complex. I mean, yeah. I've thought about this with the zoo before. You mm -hmm. know, like, how do they feed all those animals, all yeah. those different diets? Where do they get everything from? Um, so then- Let's say a newbie comes in and they, mm -hmm. you know, their eyes are wide open and they're like, I really want an iguana, you know, yeah. all right. So then do you guys, is, are there classes or you just sit with them and teach them and give us a call and let us know how it's going or how does that, what does that look like? Yeah. So the, the answer to that question is yes. So we do actually offer classes. Um, it's called snake school. Okay. <laughs> kind of fun. I like it. Uh, that was something that I developed in 2009 and we didn't actually launch it till 2018. Um, we, we do a, a lot with youth. So this particular class is geared for nine-year-olds to 14-year-olds. Okay. And uh, it's a five-week session, one night a week. We just finished a session. And what we're doing there is we are training the future of our industry. Now, what's cool with that is we also, and I'm going to answer your question about that. No, 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 you're Yeah, good. I'm going to go yeah, off I'm, a little I'm, bit of a believe tangent. Believe me, everything you're saying is really okay. interesting. Keep going. So um, we also offer a volunteer program, which is for 12 to 15-year-olds. Um, and what they do is they come in and basically just handle the animals with the customers. A lot of customers just want to hold animals, um, 
but it gets so busy at tie-dye sometimes it's very hard for my paid staff to do that. Right. So uh, these kids who um, go through snake school, typically we will cherry pick them for our volunteer program, although that is open to everybody, but we know these kids are trained. Okay. And so then what they'll do is they'll come in on one or two nights a week and they'll get the animals out and they'll just assist customers in interacting with the animals. Very cool. Um, so there's that segment. Um, but when somebody comes in and they want to get an animal, it usually goes one of two ways. Either they've got experience or they don't. Right. And then we kind of pair the, um, I shouldn't say pair, we tailor the interaction to that level of experience. Got yeah. I would say our typical animal sale takes about 45 minutes to an hour because our um, our core audience are mostly mom and dad with their child getting their first pet. Right. So there's a lot to learn. Um, we give them a, a folder that has all of the printed literature in it. Uh, but after we go through, kind of give them the rundown on how to do it, answer questions, send them home. Um, every Saturday, uh, we do a follow-up phone call um, to those new pet owners just to kind of see oh, what we missed. Oh, that's so responsible. Yeah. So I my animal that. care manager, Jenny, she does that. And um, at that point, they've had the animal from, you know, anywhere from 24 hours to seven days. And they usually have a whole host of, you know, I'm questions. I'm sure. So if, if I go get a lizard, um, I've never had any, I mean, I was like, grew up with hamsters okay. and then I've done the dog and the cat thing and I've got a dog and cat at home. But if, if I were to get a lizard, um, does the lizard just stay put in the, in, <laughs> in their, in their area or can I do, do people take the lizard out? Does the lizard hang out on my shoulder while I'm cooking? Like what, tell me yeah. what people <laughs> do with them. So, um, depends on the individual. Uh, we definitely have people that are very interactive with their animals and then there's people that um, do treat it kind of like um, a fish tank where you just look at the animal. Gotcha. Now, most uh, reptiles um, aren't very emotional. They kind of exist. They eat, sleep, and poop. Well, that's what, I mean, they're, they, they aren't like hugging you and yeah. giving you kisses. Now, there are definitely some species that are significantly more intelligent than others. A lot of your monitors, like Komodo dragons, are very intelligent. Um, bearded dra we don't sell Komodos. But, I was uh, going to say, how big are those? Yeah. Are those kind of big? Yeah, they're, they're massive and they're highly regulated. Yeah, okay. but, um, <laughs> I was trying to figure out who has the tank for that one. But the, the, what made me think of it, the uh, St. Louis Zoo, um, they've done in the past actual training with their Komodos to teach them and ah. get them to respond to certain cues and whatnot. Gotcha. Uh, but with what we sell, like the bearded dragon is a very common lizard. Um, it's very interactive. It does recognize you. It tends to interact with you. Um, so what people will do with a lot of those more an interactive animals is what you said, they'll have them on their shoulder. Um, we have a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, a fair amount of customers that will come into the store with their animal and just kind of take them out for the day. Um, I wouldn't put it on your shoulder while you're cooking. They, uh, <laughs> they do carry salmonella. Okay. So there's cool. that. That'd be bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But, um, a very large segment of people do treat them kind of like a display piece in their home. Got and the animal's totally content with that. If they're not okay. interacted with, it's not like a puppy that's going to cry. And right, right. Just eat, sleep, and poop. That's what and they do. are they the kind of animal, like, if you go on a trip for a week, do you have to have somebody come in? Or, or is, like, can they yeah. fend? Are they good for a week on their own? Depends what it is. Um, okay. We offer boarding at Tide okay. Iguana. Off, so we do a lot awesome. of boarding. All right. Uh, typically, something like a snake, which eats once a week, um, will only poop once a week, and therefore could go a week, assuming you've got the heat on timers. Right. The big thing is fresh water. So someone yeah, would need to pop yeah. in for that. Okay. Lizards and frogs are going to be daily maintenance. So gotcha. you would need somebody to come in and take care of it or have us do it. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like I've got such an education on this. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, I've never, ever had an animal like that. So I've, I've got just tons of questions of what that all looks like. But Yeah, I understand. That's really cool. 
So, so is there anything I should have asked that I didn't ask along these lines? About tie-dye? Um, I mean, really, I think the big thing, and this is this is just a me thing, um, but I, I like to believe I don't consider us a pet store. And I know mm-hmm. we're a pet store. Right. But uh, what we sell is an experience. Um, people, you can go to PetSmart, Petco. You can go any, it's a highly competitive market. Right. You can go anywhere yeah. to get a pet. Um, but people come to us for a host of reasons. But I think the main reason they come to tie-dye is because of the uh, experience and the brand that we've created. Yeah. Um, my team, uh, they know our customers by name. They know what's going on in their life. They know that, you know, Johnny had a T-ball tournament last Saturday. They they know your order. They know what you get. Um, and that's something that is very special and I think kind of unique to tie-dye iguana. Because we do get very busy, and it's very easy to get sucked into just the chaos of the day. Right, But for, you know, you to come into the store and for my team to say, you know, hey, Mish, um, how did did TEDx go last week? You know, they know what you do. Yeah. Well, and I feel like you guys are really experts at what you do. I mean— some I'm really weird with the word expert. Well, We're really good at it, though. You're good at it. I yeah. Get, I get, yeah, I, I get what you mean. When people are like, she's a social media expert. expert. What people would say of me, I'm like, well, that changes. You way. learn something I, new every day. Yeah, I can't yeah. possibly stay on top of everything yeah. social media because there's a lot going on. I love it. All right, I have some fun questions sure. for you. Yeah, let's hear them. So I was looking at, I think this was on one of your blogs. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to know, I got to know more about how do you take care of a Pac-Man frog? I love the name of it, Pac-Man frog. That's so funny to me. So they call him a Pac-Man frog because they uh, will literally eat anything like ah. Pac-Man. Oh, gotcha. In fact, we used to we used to joke um, early on. We would put two of them together in the cage, and uh, inevitably one would eat the other. And so oh, oh. that was the big joke: order two, they one to, to sell, one to eat, <laughs> one to feed. To, they have to live alone, I guess. <laughs> they do best alone. We still will put them together for short periods, but they have to be you know very specific sizing. Uh, but a Pac-Man frog um, is very simple to take care of. Uh, they're tropical, so you need to keep them humid. Um, a little bit of cooler on the temperature, so a hot spot of about 85 degrees. And okay. they like to burrow, so you need very thick substrates. They'll burrow down under the dirt. And then when they're hungry, they come up, eat the food, oh. and then burrow back down. Now, can you see them burrow? Or do you, are you just like, sometimes you're like, I don't know where you are in there. So it's a little bit of both. Um, when I was in college, I had got a Pac-Man frog, and I didn't know that they burrowed like that. And I remember looking in the cage once and it was gone. Oh my gosh, where'd the frog go? And uh, Stephanie and I ripped my bedroom apart trying to find it. And lo and behold, it was under the oh substrate. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. There's a yeah. lesson learned. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But sometimes you'll see their eyes sticking out. Other times they're completely burrowed. Um, but they would be one of the simpler ones to take care of. Ah, cool. And then keeping handling to a minimum with any amphibian, um, our oils on our skin don't do well with that. That makes sense. And then they do need specific water. Um you can't give them tap water because they'll absorb the chlorine, which is toxic. Okay. Um, and then you, what we use in the store is reverse osmosis water, which that, is filtered yeah. down to zero parts per million. That also is toxic to amphibians because uh, when you put them in it, what happens is they absorb it at a very quick rate and basically they become nutrient depleted. Got yeah. And uh, so we just use dechlorinated tap water okay. with our amphibians. All right. Gives them the nutrients and minerals they need without the chlorine and everything's good. Wow. There's so many specific things. Yeah. I, have you... Is there a request that a person ever came in with before that you were just like, wow, that's kind <laughs> of crazy. You have to have some crazy ones. We do. We get a lot of people looking for alligators, um, which they're illegal in Illinois, but 
This is just our personal thing. Whether they were legal or not, we wouldn't sell them. It doesn't seem like a good pet to have. In my opinion, it's not. And I I know I'll get blasted by some industry people for saying that, but there comes a level of responsibility. And when it when you buy an alligator, I mean, how are you really going to manage that for the life of the animal? Right. You know, they get right. eight, nine foot long and they need to swim. Yeah. So that's not a water bowl. That's a pool. They're not going to hang out in the bathtub all day. No. So um, alligators are a popular request that we don't fulfill. Um, every now and then people looking for venomous animals, which we also, um, illegal in Illinois, but by choice wouldn't sell them. Right. Just not, not a good pet. Um, something that we keep getting requests for, which is bizarre because it's never been our forte, uh, but people looking for monkeys, we get that call a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think you're, that, that's a good pet to have. I don't know anything about them, but we don't, I mean, we don't deal in mammals. The only mammals right. we sell are our feeder rodents. So... Yeah, I couldn't see it being a wise choice. It probably, there was some TikTok video about monkeys and yeah. now it's all the rage. So I'm sure that's why you're getting the question. Yeah. So not real like over the top weird requests, but requests that nonetheless are a little bit like out of our norm. Got ya. For sure. Got ya. So um, I, kindness is the big, like my big word. And okay. so is there, um, share with us top of mind, like a kindness you received, you've given, you witnessed, just anything about kindness to share? You know, that's a, uh, that's a fun topic, especially right now, you know, in today's day and age, mm-hmm. because kindness is uh, very difficult to come by. And um, so very needed. <laughs> it is. Um, so I, I think th- as far as giving out kindness, and uh, I'm not deflecting this question, but okay. <laughs> I need to I need to bring somebody into it that is critical to this. Um, my wife Stephanie, um, her position at Tide Eye is what we call the integrator. She basically pulls everything together and makes it happen. But uh, we jokingly call her mom. Um, just today, actually, we had a uh, meeting with one of our teammates who was just emotionally broken down, Emo- emotionally, oh. mentally broken down. And there was a whole host of things going on, uh, some of them related to work, some of them not related to work. Um, but Stephanie, and I, I learned this through her, she is uh, really good at seeing the human for who the human is um, and not just somebody that's contributing to the bottom line. Right. Not that that's the way I see it necessarily, but she's really good at that. So um, from a giving kindness perspective, Stephanie has been uh, paramount in me being able to see somebody and recognize them as, hey, this is a human that has very real feelings and very real needs. Um, A way that I like to play it in my head, which is, uh, it's a little sappy, but um, every human being wakes up on Christmas morning with that same feeling. Yeah. And being able to recognize that I think really humanizes people. And I'm talking, this could be anybody from Adolf Hitler to, to you. They're still... That might have been a bad example. No, but, but, I, I, but I get what you're saying because it's it's hard for us to, you know, sometimes some people are just really horrible people mm-hmm. like an Adolf Hitler, but they they are human. And you've got to wonder, like, what went what's happening with you yeah. that puts that you're doing this, you know, and, and I, I call it you might have to sometimes some people you have to love them at the level of God because they're just like. They're, they're a child of God. They're really messing up on earth. They're not making our life easy because of who they are and what they're doing on earth. But they are a child of God somewhere. In yeah, there, definitely. You know. So from, from a standpoint of um, what type of kindness have I put out into the world, I think it's the, um, the ability to stop and realize that every person is real. 
Mm-hmm. I know that's another weird way to look at it, but yeah. we, we, you know, you when you're driving down the interstate and some guy next to you is irritating you, it's easy to say, "Oh, this a hole," and flick him off. But right. he's real. It's not just an object. And you don't know what's by. going on with them. Exactly. You, know? you don't know, like maybe they're driving erratically because they they're trying to get home because there's something bad going on. You don't know what's happening. Yeah. So uh, kindness is something that I try to practice every day. As far as a specific example, um, last night, for instance, uh, we were flying home from Tampa. And there was a gal on our flight who was having a very bad day. And uh, she she called my uh, 17-year-old son a jerk. And I kind of ran her mouth at my 12-year-old daughter. And um, the old Matt, if anybody that's known me for a while, the old Matt would have blown his top with mm-hmm. something like that. But um, my decision was, hey, um, there's something going on in this gal's life. So I just told my kids, I said, just smile and let's just move on. Yeah. And I felt like that that was the kindness because um, – could have gone very differently. Yeah. You could have created a scene. It's yeah. like, let's just bless her and move on. And I mean, who knows know. why she's on this flight? Maybe right. there's a family member that's dying. I don't know. Um, receiving kindness. I feel like that is, uh, I get imposter syndrome a little bit. Um, I don't feel like I necessarily deserve the kindness I receive, but um, I receive kindness every day from people in my community. But thinking back um, 2009, when I was fresh into my company I definitely, you know, had that neo-hippie look I was talking about. And I remember walking into my first Rotary Club meeting as a prospective member. And uh, the way I was embraced in that club of, uh, it was what they called a uh, a rich old white guys club. Yeah, you know? right, and right, right. I went walking in there with dreadlocks halfway down my back, <laughs> holy jeans, and probably didn't smell the best. I was, you know, working very much in my company. And uh, that that moment when those Rotarians took me in as one of their own um, definitely shaped who I am today. But it was a level of kindness that I don't think I'll ever forget. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love um, I love your your thought too with the employees. That that says a lot about the culture of because you know when not everybody is going to be at the top of their game, super happy and every day. Right. We all deal with things throughout our, it's a challenge to live on earth. Yeah. I always say earth school is hard. And so since earth school is so hard, they're, they're not always going to come in and perfectly ready to do everything. Good on Stephanie and good on you guys to like recognize it and help them through whatever's going on. Yeah, I, I would say that um, managing the team as a family is the definitely the key to our success, um, but it is definitely the hardest part of our success. Well, yeah, so. it's, 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 it's a lot easier just to tell me, go home and don't come mm-hmm. back, but that's not the human thing to do. We've all been a number at a, at a job. Yeah. You it know, it feels horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, this is awesome. Yeah. What else Thank are you thinking? You. Any other questions? I, I, I think I, is there anything you can think of you want to leave us with? Tell everybody where to find you. Uh, so Tide Iguana is in Fairview Heights. Um, our URL is the TDI.com, short for the Tide Iguana. Um, we're the only one in the world. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or everywhere. Um, I'll give you the address. Doesn't really matter if you Google us, you'll find yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, and your hours. Like, when when are you generally open? Yeah, we're open seven days a week. So okay. Monday through Saturday, nine to nine. Sunday from ten to eight. Um, we only close three days a year: Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter. Um, but yeah, if you look up Tide Iguana, doesn't matter how you spell it, it will come up, and you'll find us. Awesome! I'm yeah. gonna come visit. I yeah. love it. This has been so interesting. Thank you for yeah. sharing all your your. I won't say expert, but. <laughs> You're, you know a lot more than other people when it comes to this. So thank you for sharing yeah. that with us. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for having me. 
All right, everybody out there, if you're thinking about buying a lizard, you now know where to go. And thank you for listening to Mishmash. Go out there and be kind and loving. Thank you guys. Love you.